right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Wake that ass up in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. He walk in here the same day, same time, same way I walk in here every day, saying, fuck them cowboys. Well, he said hello first. Yeah, he did say hello. Okay. <laughs> right. But, but that was right after. That was right after. That was right after. Hold on, ladies and gentlemen. When he had the nerve to pull that jacket out. I just had to show you. Just had to let you see the yeah, star. That's all. Yeah, it's all right, though. But don't worry about it. Y'all going to screw the hell up in the playoffs again. Again. Another first-round loss again. Defense wins championships, rolling. Yeah. Fuck the Cowboys. Okay. I'm from Houston. Exactly. That's I me. came out the womb saying that. So you're an Oilers fan, now a Texans first fan? First of all, you ain't even near Texas. How the hell are you a Cowboys fan? Because girl, where you from South Carolina. What's the next state to y'all? North Carolina, Georgia. Don't you have a football team? Yeah, but you know, growing up, uh, uh, we didn't have the Panthers. Uh, yeah. I'm 44. Okay, all right, then the Panthers, so, but you had the Falcons. Nah, my daddy was a Cowboys fan. My daddy, my granddaddy, yeah, it was okay. something about that, that star, you know? Then yeah, the, yeah. The whole lifestyle with the cocaine and the you know, the Afro. So I guess you had a wall post of Thomas Hollywood Henderson, huh? <laughs> My daddy did. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and, 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 and then later, Nate Newton selling weed. Nate Newton, Michael Irvin. Nate Newton, Michael Irvin. Yeah. That was all his guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, you know, I broke that Michael Irvin drug store. 
Huh? I broke that story. Really? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was a story that needed to be broken. I thought everybody knew. Sister. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one we got busted in the hotel room. Oh, I don't remember that one. Uh, you you don't remember that one? Which led to him walking down the hallway in the fur coat and the shades. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, it's okay. It's the okay, same okay. damn story. Wow, wow, wow. It's the same damn story. Why'd you tell on Michael Irwin? I didn't tell him Michael Irwin. Why the hell did he get busted? I told Michael, <laughs> I told Michael, I said, Michael, you were, I said, Michael, before you got cleaned up, you were fantastic for my career. I said, I won numerous awards off your ass. Wow. Oh, yeah. He is a good redemption story that people don't talk about enough. Though. Yeah, he is. He is, but that, but but still, that is still legendary. When he walked, he came down the hallway in the black fur coat, shades. <laughs> I was like, I know his ass is not walking to the grand jury dressed like this here. As soon as he walked in, like. <laughs> Indicted his, we, they didn't have to check any evidence to indict him. But say, but you know, but that's what makes him so popular in culture, though. It be those moments like that. No, I, it probably was him catching passes. I, I think no, that. No, no, people, think that people was love it. rebellion, man. You know that. That's why they love the Bobby Browns yeah. of the world. That's why they love the, no, the Mike Tyson. People it's love a, rebellion. It's a bunch of folks who rebellious who didn't catch passes. Yeah. Don't nobody know them. Yeah, but, he didn't get in the Hall of Fame because of that first coat. He was also good. Yeah, exactly. They say but, first and foremost, you got to be great. And right. Then, I mean, you, you can be, be rebellious yes. and stupid mm-hmm. and broke. Yes. So Michael, yeah. So he, but you know, he played. He, but but I appreciate that y'all ain't won nothing <laughs> in the last generation. Long time. N- nothing. Neither of the Texans. All the Oilers. Guess what? Join your asses on the couch. <laughs> it's comfy sitting over here. You got a new book out? White uh, Fear. Uh, indeed, indeed. How the Browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. What exactly is White Fear, Mr. And look at that. Look at that cover. Look I at that photo. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's from January 6th. You got this white guy's arms outstretched. He's basically saying, all this is ours. Mm-hmm. And that, that really does explain the reality uh, of white America and the history of this country. This country was uh, formed and created for them. Uh, and so what they're freaking out about is where we're now moving. 2043, nation becoming a majority of people of color. Uh, and it shows how their reaction. Mm-hmm. January 6th, remember, Donald Trump targeted four cities. He kept talking about Atlanta, mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Detroit. Uh, and so the anger was that black turnout, uh, the attacks on uh, black turnout, gutting of Section 4 of the Voting Rights Act, uh, gutting of Section 2. Uh, this whole desire, this this anger uh, at what is going on, because it's all it comes down to money and power, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what it boils down to. And so they don't want to give any of that up. And if you look at the history of America, every period of black success has always been followed by white backlash mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You, 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 I mean, take the thing back to Civil War, Reconstruction, mm-hmm. Jim Crow. Every period, and the anxiety is always: Are we going to lose our jobs? Uh, are they going to take our women? Uh, we're gonna lose our money. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's been the constant deal, even during during the civil rights movement. Remember, you had the Civil Rights Act of '64, Voting Rights Act of '65, but they filibustered Republicans and Democrats. The Fair Housing Act. They were like, "All right, we we, we let y'all vote, but y'all can't live with us." Mm-hmm. That has been a constant thing, and we're still seeing it. And this is not a white conservative thing. There's some white Democrats and progressives Absolutely. who also don't want us to be to be a part of this economic. Uh, uh, having that economic power and having and, and having that uh, that influence, but because we've now changed with voting, we now get our say so, mm-hmm. and they're struggling with that. And th- and Donald Trump was not the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a continuation, I guarantee you, over the next fifty plus years. Yeah, As I, a media person, what do you think about Donald Trump suing CNN? Okay, he sues a whole bunch of people and loses. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. His thing is to cause mayhem, but he don't want depositions. 
Do you think he don't want he don't want to have to sit across? Look how long he fought Letitia James, mm-hmm. right? And then sat there and said four hundred times, "I'll plead the fifth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think he has any type of legs to stand on with that with no, the defamation? Because he lies. Mm-hmm. He lies he about lies. I think he does. How so? I don't think he'll win, but I think he does simply because what he's trying to paint CNN as is a, a, a news network that only paints, that only shows one side of him, that only shows one narrative. Yeah, the liar. Sure, but but he said he said um, they never say anything positive. That's a lie. Him. That's a lie. But, that, but that's what he said. No, but it's a lie. Well, he lies. Huh? Just, just because he says some shit, shit and don't then, mean and he's lying. And then when people and then when people run the montage, it's just CNN saying a bunch of negative stuff about because he lies. So they're helping his case. No, they're not helping his case. If he's saying that they don't ever say anything positive about that's me, that's a lie. So you're saying <laughs> that's literally so, a lie. So you're saying CNN says positive things about him. They hired Kaylee McEnany. That's they what? hired people yes. who who came to his defense. He is a lie. The lawsuit is a lie. Yes. So the bottom line is, they're not helping him. He lies. But they are helping him. He when, lies about lies. They're helping when people play the montage and say, well, listen, no, to, what he's, listen to what he said. He's basically telling you, this is all they do is paint me as negative. No, they're not. So, if you lie okay. every time, then they going to run you lying. So shouldn't they? That's like a woman saying, uh, dude saying, I told truth one time. Yes. Yeah, but you've been a hoe. <laughs> I mean, you can't go, I said some truth for one time, yes. and then go, baby, why are you calling me a liar? Because you a liar. But the best way to make him be a liar is to show, no, we do, when he does do something, I guess, good, we do talk about it. They do. They have done that. <laughs> what so, he that so they arguing, should play that montage. because all What are you talking right, about? Because Trump is saying they don't ever say anything positive about him. That's the basis of the lawsuit. Charlemagne, okay. This is Charlemagne, good. you literally are trying to provide some common sense <laughs> To an uncommon lie. You're right. There you go. There is no, right. there's You're no right. common sense. You're right. They, if they've hired people on the air mm-hmm. who have defended him, is that positive? Yes. Okay. They've hired him. Kaylee McEnany was an airhead. She was anti-Trump, <laughs> and then she flipped. She later became his press secretary. You're right. So his whole deal is everything he does is lie. He his whole mantra of fake news. The whole point is I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and my followers are going to believe that anything you say is a lie. So even when you tell the truth, then it's a lie. His whole deal about uh, uh, the big lie about the election, that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. His whole goal mm-hmm. is to cause dissension. Disruption. It's to cause disruption. And now what has happened, again, part of why lie, all, why fear, all of these individuals, they're not running for office. People running for attorney general, secretary of state. Governor, they're not running for boards of elections. They have taken the lot and they now have weaponized it and they now want to take over voting apparatus in numerous states. And so the lie has now been weaponized to the point it's now expanded. You literally have hundreds of candidates on the ballot in November who lie with him. Lying ass Jenny Thomas. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clarence Thomas's uh, "Don't mess with my Jenny." Okay, went before the January Sixth <laughs> Committee, and mm-hmm. she said the election was rigged. Lying, so he is a liar. Mm-hmm. He's a flat-out liar, and he can go to hell. Question: Do you think? Um, do you think that's just the risk you run when you have like opinion-based platforms? Like sometimes people might hit you with a defamation suit or a slander suit. Well, first of all, defamation and slander. Uh, there's a high legal standard for mm-hmm. public officials. Yeah. Okay, you have that. But when you're operating on truth, then that's the piece. Look, I got Republicans who don't want to come on my show because I don't let them lie. And so the piece, so the deal, and that's why I get upset when I watch a lot of these shows 
in folks' lives. So, for instance, when sorry as Omar allowed that woman the other day to lie on Kamala Harris, and then he didn't correct her when she talked about, oh, he put, sent all these men, she sent all these men and women uh, to prison for weed. Uh, and, oh, yeah, she and mentioned Breakfast Club, and, too. And, yeah. and Breakfast Club. And then Bill Maher sitting there with his pothead self, mm-hmm. don't say a word. I don't let folk lie. Because when, you, when someone lies, mm-hmm. if they're listening to this show, and a lie is told, and you say nothing, for me, the public goes, well, uh, Angela and uh, Envy and Charlamagne didn't say nothing, so what they said must have been true. Validated. No. Because Van Jones yeah, was on the panel. He didn't say nothing. Well, well no, no. What he did was, what, what, he didn't, didn't correct him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Van, Van should have said, wait a minute. What you just said is a flat-out lie. You don't let lies stand. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, and I'll tell him, I'll let you finish. But what you're not going to do is sit here and lie. I just sit there and just nod and let you continue Mm -hmm. because the public needs to have enough faith in us that we have enough information. And the moment you lie, we say, wait, stop. That's not true. Or you got to prove that you got you're not just going to throw something out there. And so that's how that's why this microphone cameras are important, because we have to we have to have so much trust in it and have and, and have care with it that we refuse to let anybody lie in our face because the audience goes well that must be true so they now run with that lie mm-hmm. and now it's harder to bring it back in as opposed to say stop what you just said is simply incorrect well, I need you to give us some facts now because I know people will see this and they'll be like well Kamala Harris did lock up a bunch of a whole bunch of people for weed in California well first of all if you actually I actually brought on a brother who went through the whole record the number of prosecutions in San Francisco declined from the previous DA when she became DA. Two, they created alternative programs for individuals mm-hmm. who had uh, who, who were arrested for weed. Second of all, the number of people in in California uh, went to prison, those of them went down. So again, when people say, well, sh- just what you said, you like a whole lot of people up. How many? Mm-hmm. No, how many? Yeah, they can't know anyone over. No, no, no. But you just said, you just said, she liked a lot of people. How many? Oh, I didn't say that. I was quote, quoting what no, people no, said. No, 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 no. You quoted folks who did not have accurate information. Absolutely. So, so, so even, but so even, so even. <laughs> That's so, why I asked you. No, 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 no. But no, no, he's the deal. So even when we say some people say, I don't even reference lies mm. because what I'm now doing is I'm now weaponizing the lie. Right. So even even me, the corrected you don't reference it, huh? Even the corrected you don't reference. No, 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 no. It's not a question of corrected. What I'm not going to do is some people say she locked up a lot of people. Mm-hmm. First of all, let's break that statement down. What does it even mean? What's a lot? Mm-hmm. Okay. If she locked up five thousand, well, how many were locked up before her? Was mm-hmm. it ten thousand? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. ten thousand locked up before her, and then she locked up five thousand. That's a de- decrease. Correct. So again, that has to be stated. Mm-hmm. Second of all, does the attorney general lock people up? Yes. Or is it local DAs? See, mm-hmm. so so again, I don't just go some people. I hate that phrase. Gotcha. Because the because even stating that, it has to be rooted in fact. And that's why I don't simply do in, at, that any time. I force people to have to defend a statement and say, no, 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 you need to provide evidence to back that up. And so so what if somebody says, well, 5,000 was too many, okay, but if it was 10,000 and she came in and changed the policy and then it was cut in half, do you not give credit mm-hmm. to cutting it in half? Correct. Where I come from, you actually do. It's called context. 
Mm-hmm. And the problem that we have, especially with too many of these damn gossip blogs and these people who are aggregators, who all they do is repeat something else, somebody else write, they don't have any context. They provide no nuance. They provide no factual information. They don't ask the second question too often, as Kathy Hughes said, they ain't deeper than mustard on a hot dog. Now, I was going to ask, <laughs> you, you said making white folks lose their minds, right? Yeah. So now, what does that mean for, for minorities and black people? Well, what, what, it, should, what should we be most worried about? Well, what it, what it means is I don't want us in 2043 and 2050 to look like South Africa, where black folks who had the numbers got political power but still were economically deprived, were deprived educationally. Mm-hmm. And that's what it boils down to. This is about power. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Congressional Black Caucus has 58 members. Supreme Court is hearing two cases where there should be an additional seat in Louisiana and Alabama. That will go up to 60. Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida completely obliterates black districts because they want to elect more Republicans. That is about power. When you're talking about elected office, that's power. That's control over resources. That's allocating uh, billions of dollars. That's what this thing all boils down to. And so what I'm talking about is we have to recognize what's going on here. We got to be in a situation where, okay, federal government right now, uh, $560 billion is spent every single year on contracts. We get 1.67% of those contracts. Well, if you now have more of your representatives who are now using levels of power, it in- increases that. In the speech Saturday night before the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, Biden talked about uh, taking those numbers up uh, to, I think it was $100 billion. That's going to be a tall task going from nine to 100 in five years. But that's the whole point. When you talk about this infrastructure bill that was passed, $1.2 trillion, more than $600 billion, it's going to be for transportation. Uh, I moderated the panel with uh, uh, Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg talking about how are we going to benefit from those contracts. Mm-hmm. Leveraging that is power. You look at the fight that we have in the advertising industry, $322 billion spent every year, only 0.5% going to black-owned media. And we've now forced General Motors and Target uh, and McDonald's and these numerous companies to increase their black-owned media spend. That's leveraging, using your leverage and influence to drive economic power. And so we can't We can't lose sight of how do we take advantage of that. What you have folk here do not want us to be able to build, to be able to grow, because when we're frozen out of the economic piece, then guess what? Every other issue that we care about, criminal justice reform, mass incarceration, uh, education, it all ties back to money. In America, if you ain't having a money conversation, Mm -hmm. you are not having an American conversation. That's what this boils down to. When, when, even when we say white folks have lost their mind, you know, history shows us they never really had it. They never well, really had sound minds, right? Well, but, 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 but obviously you understand uh, the, the phrase there because, see, now it's becoming real. Mm-hmm. See, remember, in the last election, 71, 2020, 71 to 73% of total turnout was white. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that so people sit here and go, oh, without uh, 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 black folks won this election. Mm, okay, yes and no. But the bottom line is here. That means that African Americans, Latinos, Asian, Native Americans, all combined, we were about 28, 30% total. But you're now seeing that drop. You're now seeing how the numbers are changing. So when you hear the great replacement theory, okay, this fear they're replacing us. Mm-hmm. No, they're replacing you. 
White folks, y'all stop having babies. Y'all mm-hmm. stop having sex. Mm-hmm. That's what actually happened. And the opioid epidemic and further increased that mm-hmm. caused a white death rate. Caused the white, uh, the white, uh, uh, caused the, the white death rate to increase, but also life expectancy to actually drop as well. But COVID also caused black men's life expectancy to drop by three years. So all these things are happening before us. The thing that 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 they right now, I think it's about twelve states. The annual white death rate is higher than the white birth rate. So they're angry about an increasing minority population. Y'all the ones who stop screwing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How you mad at us? Because mm-hmm. you stop having kids. And this has been going on in Europe for the last 15 years. The reason you've had this, this immigration backlash in Europe is because guess what? Italians, their numbers start dropping. The, the, the French, the Germans. And so for, for nations to continue, to continue to be strong, you literally have to replace people Meaning you have to either birth more people or you must have immigration to be able to sustain a country economically. That's just that's just simple math. And folks are hating that, but they don't want to deal with that. And their reaction to this is that's why we hear these phrases. We're losing our way. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? We're 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 losing our culture. Well, first of all, what's our culture? Um, uh, we're losing what, 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 what we know America to be. Well, what does America? What exactly is America to you? So that's why the Kaepernick thing was so strong because they were like, "How dare you!" It's first responders. It's the flag. It's America, and we're like, "Yeah, we kind of look at that a little bit different from y'all." Mm-hmm. Since you brought up immigration, can you talk about the governors in Texas and Florida and the whole situation with the uh, flying and busing migrants? To Martha's Vineyard. That's to pushing DC. buttons of white fear. Here's the deal. Texas is, I'm native of Texas. I'm still ready to vote there. Do you understand the Texas economy? Mm-hmm. You take out Latinos and black people by Texas. Here's the other crazy thing. Because of the last census, Texas picked up several new congressional seats because of population. What fueled that population growth? Latinos. Mm-hmm. What did they do? They basically they basically created three white Republican districts. One Latino, so fine, we'll give you one. But the growth was driven by Latino population. So what you have is you have uh, Governor Greg Abbott, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, again, pressing the buttons of white fear. And these folks are running around, oh, my God, uh, 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 we're losing our state. First of all, right now, majority of kids in public schools right now are black and Latino. Now ask the question, who's controlling those economic levers? Mm -hmm. Who's controlling those dollars? Who's controlling the curriculum? Who's controlling the hiring of teaching? So what that's what that's what you're seeing. And so what what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida, what Greg Abbott is doing in Texas, they are fueling that white rage. Everything about critical race theory was about fueling white rage. Yep. This anger against DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. Look, look at the reaction all these white conservatives had to when Vice President Kamala Harris said the other day, we're going to ensure this equity when it comes to Hurricane Ian. And she should have stood on that. I hated that she backed up off of that. Right. What they should, what, what, again, what, what the White House should have said is, I'm sorry, here are examples right. of previous right. hurricanes and natural disasters. Reporting has been done in the New York Times, been done by other media outlets, ProPublican and others, showing how black and brown communities were, sh- were, were shorted out of dollars when it came to hurricane That's relief. Right. It is undeniable. But see, again, what happens is, and this is where liberals and progressives really piss me off because they don't know how to fight. 
They get pushback from conservatives and Fox News and conservative radio, and they all take it and run with it. And it's like, oh, my God, they're upset. Tell them go to hell. That's right. And say, hit them That's with right. the facts. And see, they're unwilling to challenge them. I got like Mark Levin, a conservative radio talk show host. He was going off the other day uh, on me and Maya Wiley because I, when I moderated um, a voting session at Congressional Black Caucus, and he goes, Roland Martin, he's such a liberal, he will never invite me on his show. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a brother who was listening, who was texting me while I was live on my show, what he said. I said, oh, is that what he said? I invited his ass on the show right there. Then had my producer call when the show was over. Then hit him on the, the following Monday. <laughs> he ain't hit back. See, they are used to throwing rocks, but they ain't used to getting hit. Mm-hmm. The White House has to learn how to hit. That's right. How to hit hard. Look, Chris Christie is still mad. After I lit his ass up on ABC this week. That was a year ago. I ain't been invited back since. <laughs> but but I hadn't been on in 20 months when I went on there. And my whole deal was when the topic came up, I'm going to hit you. And so we we, we 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 can't be afraid. There are people who are like, well, I mean, you know, I mean, the title in your book is is provocative. I said, well, hell, I said Larry Elder put a book out called Stupid Black Men. Mm-hmm. I said, and y'all let him. I'm going to call it like it is because it is white fear. The studies show it. They are running around. Oh, my God, we're losing. Uh, we're going to be losing resources. A study came out in 2018. This is laughable. Where white voters since 2008, white voters uh, were said they were they were rebell- rebelling against welfare programs because they were losing money and minorities were gaining. You know it's more broke ass white people in America Absolutely. Than, than black people. Always. That's just a number. You, 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 you do know who, who gets more welfare? White people. That's right. Who gets more of Medicaid? White people. Who, when you look at cutting poverty, when the numbers increase, who increases the highest? White people. But the problem is, media for more than fifty years has created the picture that welfare is black. Black people. That's right. So in their minds, when they, oh, my goodness, uh, they're coming up. They're benefiting. In 2000, what started this book in 2009, study was, it was a poll, and the question was asked. This is around Obama's inauguration. Are you optimistic about the future of America for your children? Every group, black, Latino, Asian, yes. majority said yes. Only one group was less than the majority, white Americans. September 2016, question was asked. Are you optimistic about the future of America economically for the next 10 years? Black people, lowest wealth, highest optimism. Latinos, second lowest wealth, highest optimism. White people, highest wealth, by far, <laughs> lowest optimism. And you got to say, hold up, how y'all got more money than anybody else to the lowest optimism? Because they see that train coming. Because their children now have to compete. You got white men in Hollywood right now. Man, we can't get no job. All the black people, we can't get a job. Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all are used to getting 95% of the jobs. Now it's you're getting 88% and you're pissed it went down seven. Look at the author James Patterson. I don't care about that grant, that million dollars he just gave Howard University. Why did he give it? Because previously he said it's tough now for white men to get books published. Have have y'all seen... The book publishing world <laughs> and yeah. how many white men got books published. And even when you look at the New York Times, it's like those lists are so racially biased. Bruh. Like the top 10 would mostly be white people. 
So when they so they're running around now going, oh my God, we're losing everything. And you're going, how y'all got they literally are angry because they're getting two and three and five percent less. Right. Because they can't now, pick up that phone and make a call, like you said, that's get it right. their son a job. That's it right there. I remember in uh, in twenty sixteen, Morning Joe was having this conversation. And Joe Scarborough was talking about how, mm -hmm. you know, he understands, uh, you know, how these white men are feeling because that was his one white guy. He said, you know, I wish it was back like in 1973 when when I got my job where I can just pick the phone up and get my son um, uh, a job. And I remember Joe Scarborough made it made this comment about how the wages of black men increased while the wages of white men didn't. And I was like, well, well Joe, er, <laughs> would you like to go back? and see what the wages of black men were in the early 70s. Common sense tell you black folks were so low economically, of course the numbers might increase because of Jim Crow. See, that's the thing. I love these people who want to act like Jim Crow never existed. As, as if um, you didn't get your first wave of black people in the media until the late 1960s, mm -hmm. early 70s. The first wave of black people... I met the first brother who ever worked at a bank in Louisiana, and he got hired the year I was born. Damn, Bruh. But 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 so so we here we are. Look, King gets assassinated in '68, 54 years ago. So when you look at the growth of what happened with black people, we really so use 1970 as the marker really because Fair Housing Act of '68, affirmative action when Nixon comes in. You're only talking about 52 years that we've been technically free 52 years 52 years where we've been able to actually get government jobs get corporate jobs we're only on the second generation of african americans in corporate america mm -hmm. so we talk about where we're going economically we're not we're not talking about you know a hundred years i'm 54 in november which means i was born not fully free. My nieces and nephews are the first generation of Martins born technically fully free. Mm. See, we, we've got to stop, you know, we got to look at this thing a lot differently and understand how this system has, has so beaten us down and how we have survived and fought against it and rebelled against it. So, why they're angry is because we now are saying Angela's voice matters. Envy's voice matters. Charlemagne's voices matter. They now like, damn, they now they on TV. Hell, now they done start their own digital shows, start their own digital networks, because we now got a voice and what's ticking them off is we willing to use it. Question, you know, we talk about freedom and, and, and I wonder what we're doing with that freedom. And you have the chapter, um, the fight to educate black minds. Absolutely. What is, the, what is the best way for us to educate our minds? Because there's a lot of information out there, but it don't mean it's the correct information. Well, first off, we have, to, we have to return back to the fervor that existed um, post-slavery. Um, there's a book called uh, The Education of Blacks in the South from 1860 to 1935. Unbelievable book. Uh, and it talks about that period. It talks about how these white abolitionists came down from the South, uh, and they were like, oh, we're coming down uh, to help these uh, these freed slaves get educated. They roll up there, and they'd already started 500 schools. They were like, oh, we weren't waiting on y'all. These freed slaves were there. 
he lays out in the book, he lays out in the book that 92% of black children in Memphis were in school. Only 41% of white kids in D.C. were in school. So that was a fervor. That was a, that's why you had generations of black people who had second and third grade education. They're like, look, but they sent 12 and 14 kids through college. Mm-hmm. And so that fervor has to return because what that does is that absolutely equips you for what you're about to face. Now when you do that, you now have to pair that with what's happening economically. What we have to do also is begin with education, begin to teach our children not to live by white validation. Yes. Not be affirmed by white validation. Uh, folk, I had folk who came to me and they said, uh, when I had the TV One show, hey, man, we going to get you a show. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> brother, I'm, I'm on five days a week. No, 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 no. I mean a real show. That is mm-hmm. quite a real show. Like CNN, MSNBC. I said, do, do you know that when Brian Williams come to, comes to D.C., he sits in the same chair I sit? Brother, like, what do you mean? I said, you, you, oh, you didn't realize. We contract the studio out with NBC News Channel. We use the same camera, same set, same walls, same fiber optics, same control room. I said, but you don't think it's real. Mm-hmm. That's white validation. Mm-hmm. And so part of that education is affirming who we are. Who we are. Now, the king said, he said, we have to sign our own emancipation proclamation. He said uh, that we can't allow someone else to affirm us. That's a part of the education piece. And so that means when we are creating our own, we cannot. I had I would tell anybody who worked with me when I was at TV One, if I hear you say, well, you know, we black. You're not going to work here because that phrase alone behind it means we're not as good. Mm-hmm. We're second class. And so that's a part of the education piece as well. Now you have to marry the economic piece when you begin to talk about how do we fight for equity in all of these all of these systems. And that means how do you leverage it? So if you're a company out there, if you're a car company, here's my first question. What's your black market share? Your black market share is 12, 14, 15 percent. People go, we got a boycott. No, 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 no. Here's the whole deal. Because I had a meeting with one car company. I said, do y'all understand? I don't need to take you from 15 to 5. If I take you from 15 to 14, a bunch of y'all going to lose y'all jobs. Because that means 15 to 14, that's billions of dollars. I said, so now, y'all want to have a different conversation about black-owned media spend? See, it's understanding how we have to leverage. So we then have to ask, come, okay, uh, how many of us shop here? Mm-hmm. That's why folks got to read Martin Depp's book on Operation Breadbasket, where they laid the strategy out, which one of the, was one of the, probably arguably the most successful initiative that the King left us. Reverend Jackson picked up, but they actually got it from Reverend Leon Sullivan out of Philadelphia. But that's about that was about that's about economics. What we're doing is we're actually in many ways not fighting smart, which also goes to the education piece. Why not support charter schools? Because if I get to control the school and control who gets hired and control the spending and control the contracts and control the curriculum, hell, I'm down with it. So I'm not going to fight something that people are like, well, uh, white folks, uh, white races created charter schools. I was like, can you show me something in America white races didn't create? <laughs> so, again, it's understanding how do we now operate from a state of mind where we're willing to own, we're willing to take advantage of and then willing to build. That, that, that is a state of mind. I've long said we need a massive reprogramming in black America. 
a massive reprogramming to think and operate differently for the next generation. What, what happens your to thoughts me? when you saw Kanye do the White Lives Matter? I don't give a shit about Kanye. Let me abundantly clear. When you spend, when you expend energy on a fool, then you end up discussing a fool. Did I post it? Nope. Did I tweet it? Nope. Kanye is utterly irrelevant to me. He feeds off of the drama, and I will not feed that beast. He can go to hell with Candace Owens. I don't really care. Now, in, in your uh, in White Fear. In the conclusion chapter, the New American World Order, you talk about how the same level of white resistance to black inclusion has to operate now in the reverse. Can you can you explain it? Yeah, and that is we we have to we have to understand that this fierce fight is not going away, and so we must be hell bent on fighting white supremacy, white nationalism. And we can't get caught up in political ideology. It can't be, oh, well, uh, you're on the right and you're on the left and you're my friend. No. I agree. No, here's why. It's a whole, who controls the money in democratic politics? White strategists. Who have they locked out? Black strategists. Right. Black pollsters. Black-owned media. I went to a meeting. It was a, it was a, it was a money meeting of all the different buyers in D.C. The big old meeting. About 300 people there. Mm -hmm. It was four black people, me and three others. And I'm sitting there going, this who controls political spend. Nine billion dollars will be spent in this political cycle. They have created, they got comfortable where they become millionaires. And then they sit there and they run campaigns for candidates. And the black candidates have no control over their campaigns because the strategists are running it. And so I'm going to hit the white Democratic strategists the same way I'm going to hit Republicans. I, I did this. Look, the Obama people were mad at me. I didn't give a damn. But when you saw the spending, even when he was president, only less than 2% of that money was going to firms that had a black partner or African-Americans. It's the money. If you don't follow the money, you're not having this, the, an American conversation. So we must, we must fortify ourselves for what is happening and understand they are not trying to give up power easily. They're not doing that. And so we've created a whole generation of, of, of kids. Oh, no, no. We fought these battles for you. No, no. When Bernard Shaw, God rest his soul, when we hit CNN and we hit Jeff Zucker because they had no black EPs, VPs, SVPs, EVPs, and direct reports on the board of NABJ. Bernard Shaw made a comment when he got a Lifetime Achievement Award in Vegas in 2007 uh, where he said, white men, you're, you're a speck in the, in the ocean of color. And I called him and I said, well, Bernie, I just want to get your permission. I'm, I want to use your clip. And this is what he said. He said, Roland, he said, every generation has its turn. Mm. Now it's your turn. Mm. What he was saying is, I, I'm old. We fought. Now you got to pick that thing up. That has to be our fighting spirit. We've got to wake up. And think about this thing, not in terms of, am I going to get paid? But the the battle that I'm trying to fight, which is why I'm saying black people prepare ourselves for 2043, because by 2043, I'm 70-something years old. I'm talking about a battle for nieces and nephews and their children's children. I do not want black America to be having this conversation in 2043. Mm -hmm.
I agree with you. You said in that chapter though that white folks need to do the heavy lifting. Oh like, hell yes. We need white folks to take the lead on calling out racism and, and bigotry. But, yes. But what reason would they have to do that? Easy, because guess what? It ain't it ain't reversing. I mean, it's not reversing. You need more more white Jane Elliots, more white Tim uh, Wises. You need more conscious white folks because they're in spaces we're not in. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're at dinner tables, they're at sorority meetings, they're at the country clubs, they're in they're in business meetings when things are being said, when subjective things are being stated. Uh, again. It was, again, going back to that ridiculous segment on Bill Maher where the white woman goes, Kamala Harris, she's off-putting. Stop. <laughs> what the hell is off-putting? Everybody black know what that <laughs> phrase means. Yeah, she might have okay. just said she's difficult. And we, we know what that means. Yeah, or, uh, you know, they, 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 they just don't, it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Okay? So they have to sit, they, they can't let stuff be said that, that goes unanswered. So it's no different if we are men and bros are making comments about women. You're like, hey, hold on, bro. No, we, we ain't going there. Mm-hmm. It's like people get mad at me because I refuse to let people uh, use the N-word at me on my social media. I'm like, no. First of all, I, how you call yourself conscious but you're using language of the oppressor? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I'm trying not to, bro. No, no, but it's not that hard. It's yeah, not I know, that hard. It's not. And so it's, it, it, no, it's only hard when you're talking about actual N-words. No, it's not hard. Because sometimes you see some stuff and no, you're like, it's not. This nigga. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because you could say, that's bullshit. What's the difference? Don't hit his heart. This punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> it no, no, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. Say F-boy. Just, 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 it could be that. Or or, look, or, or or when you see somebody. If I see you, mm-hmm. I, no, you're going to say, what else up, my aunt? No, my, my brother is far more affirming. But again, that, but again, that say that is retraining one's mind. Look, I said the N-word for a long time. I haven't said it in 30-plus years. Yeah. Because I've, I trained myself to say, no. There's you, a lot you, of words we don't use now that people used to use. That, absolutely. Mm-hmm, that but again, we know, so, we know you cannot say certain things now. I feel absolutely. like that about the like B word, too, though. I, everything you're saying, I, I totally agree with. I just don't you, know why you, our you, mind you, is conditioned to keep easy, doing it. Easy because, because the power of white supremacy, and, the, and this is something that we have to confront, the power of white supremacy is so strong that it has always forced us to see ourselves as less than. And there's nothing worse than seeing yourself as less than to use something that the oppressor used against you. I agree. And then you go, oh, we reclaimed it. No, you didn't. Because you can't get mad if somebody white used it if you so-called reclaimed it. How about you obliterate it, period? It it doesn't even come into my consciousness as the first thing to say. With that video of the white guy in Texas uh, who went to the door, rung the doorbell, mm-hmm. and he said, <laughs> neighbor, hey, neighbor, hey, neighbor, we're talking neighbor. to the nigga. I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. He No, it. It, it don't come out that easy yeah, yeah. if you're not using it. And so I want I, I want us to take that same reprogramming, mm-hmm. which I had to do for myself, mm-hmm. and now apply that to everything else in terms of how we look at our community. When I tell people about my book, I say, look, it's available at all these bookstores, Target, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, or call the black bookstore. Mm-hmm. See, that's a state of mind. Of, well, you know what? I want to get the book. I'm a I'm a order it through a black bookstore. That's black economics. That's practicing. And so it's a state of being where we have to be in to now begin to understand. Just like when I challenge people. Oh, if I, I post something about Nick Cannon and Eddie Murphy on my Instagram. About thousand comments. What'd you post? Just, they had 10 kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, and I, but I did it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I said, wow, look at all these comments. I said, but when I post about us accessing Three hundred and twenty-two billion mm-hmm. 
I said, oh, it's 18 comments. I said, now let me ask y'all a question. Mm -hmm. Which one has a greater impact on black America? Accessing 322 billion or Nick and Eddie's kids? Mm -hmm. Well, Roland, no, 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 no. no. Ask yourself the question. Which goes to what we give our energy to Mm -hmm. is where our time and attention goes. I'm saying... We should be stepping. I'm not saying we shouldn't have fun. We can't talk about and joke about stuff. What I am saying is the amount of energy that we spend on sheer bullshit is also what is affecting our community in negative way. And then we wonder why we are broke. Because if we broke economically, we broke spiritually, we broke mentally. And that's what I'm trying to get us to understand. Reprogram ourselves for the future. I agree with you what you said about the N-word, too, because like I never use it as a term, term of endearment. I use it in the way that white supremacists use it. And see, I won't, because I'm not a white supremacist. And I'm not going to further their agenda. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful. See, the reason I talked about, even when you talk about these progressives and, and, and conservatives who are white, the power of white supremacy is so strong that it's some it's some it's some nice white folk we know who say stuff and they're like I don't, I don't know how like yes you do because white supremacy also impacts you mm-hmm. it is it is it is a viewpoint it is a state of state of consciousness and that's what we're dealing with and so we have to we have to be willing to challenge them and say what you gonna do see d- stop we've always had to save America not white folks y'all gotta do some work. That's why I said y'all have got to put some work in. You've got to challenge uh, one another to do right. Can you tie that into affirmative action, which you also discuss in Whitefair? Well, first of all, I'm going to call affirmative action what it is. Mm -hmm. The greatest economic engine for white women, for white people. Mm -hmm. No group has benefited more from affirmative action than white women. And so that's also tied to it. White men figure that thing out. Right. MWBEs, when you get your certification to get these contracts with the city. No, no, no. You said MWBE. Mm-hmm. It should be WMBE. Yeah. Because if you look at any MW, MWBE program, the group that gets more money White is women. women. I was at the Black Caucus in Illinois had this thing. It was Dan Ryan contract. They invited black, black media and the Black Caucus. So we sitting there and the guys talking about women got this. Blacks got this. Latinos got this. Asians got this. I said, hey, I got a question. If you're a black woman, which one of them categories you in? He said, well, you're in black. I said, well, you Latino. He said, he said Latino, Hispanic. I said, so that W should be WW. <laughs> I said, because if all the women go into other categories, that's white women. Right. And so I spoke to the uh, airport minority uh, con- contractors, concessions folks in Dallas, and I say white women last. I said, when I said, when the firm actually on the attack, where in the hell y'all at? So y'all quiet. How? Y'all getting more contracts than any of us. How are you quiet? See, again, somebody has to be willing to challenge them. And you had white women who like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. I'm going, how y'all didn't realize? Mm-hmm. Y'all are getting more. And so that's what we're dealing with. Last thing, we have got, we can't be afraid to say black. I'm in a meeting. It was a charter school meeting at the National Charter Alliance. They had the national conference. 30 people in the room. It's probably about $20 billion in the room. It's two black people, one Latino. And so we're sitting there talking, and Latino guy goes, you know, I keep hearing you talk about black. I believe in inclusion. What about Latinos? And my initial was called School Choice is the Black Choice. I said, hey, Doc, you more than welcome to start School Choice is the Latino uh, Choice. Roll it here for black people. And I said to the room, y'all can't do nothing without the Black Caucus. Y'all can't even get a meeting with the Black Caucus. I got nine alphas in Congress. I can call a frat meeting. And they're sitting around. They, they, they were like... 
damn, like I I came in guns blazing. Mary Landry, former United States Senator, she raised her hand. She's like, um, as a former U.S. Senator, um, he right. We can't do this other black caucus. I was I walked into the room starting with black. I don't say how can we help minority businesses. I say I'm here for black people. Now, does it mean you can't have an MWB program? But I am willing to advocate for us first. And so when we talk about a black-owned media spin, we tell everybody, don't send your chief diversity officer. We're saying this is black-owned media. You create a category for black-owned media. Now, if you want to create one for Latinos and for women and LGBT, that's your business. But we're going to advocate this way. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I thought I saw you pushing back against that uh I thought on social media when they were asking about how come there's not a black hate crime bill, like a, a specific bill for, yes, for because, black hate crimes. Yes, I, because, well first, well, first of all, that's a lie. Okay, you've actually had three. Okay, the first one uh, was the first one was in the 60s. Then you also had the James Byrd. But the, because the point is, when you talk about a law, how is the law applied? So, for instance, we celebrated Title IX this year, 50th anniversary. Uh, where's Title IX come from? Provision 1964 Civil Rights Act. Who fought for that? Black people. Voting. We know the vo- 1965 Voting Rights Act was about black voting power. But if you are Korean and the ballots are in your native language, how is that so? 65 Voting Rights Act. And so there's a difference between advocating for black-owned media with a company mm-hmm. and then talking about a particular law. The reality is how laws are applied apply to all people. So I guess uh, so when they do the uh, anti-Asian or the Asian hate bill. Stop, uh, stop. See, right that, right there. Okay. What you just said didn't exist. What's the bill called? It's called the COVID-19 Hate Crime Act. Oh, I thought it was no, it's not. specifically for no, Asian it's not. Americans. No, it's not. Well, when they tweet things out. No, when, it's not. Because they're lying. No, when President Biden tweets out, no. he says anti-Asian no. hate bill. Pull it up. Let me see. I'll pull it up right now. Pull it up. Here's see. what happened. Okay. Because of the increase in attacks against, uh, against Asians, that was the impetus for the particular bill. So the, the in the narrative in, in in the beginning of the bill it talks about now, see, what you, took you, place. Now, now let me show you something. Okay. Hold up, hold right. up, hold up. Okay. Now pull up. I want you to pull up something. No, no. I, I want to say you're you're right. It's called the COVID nineteen hate crimes act. But look, when NBC News, yes, when uh, Vox, all these people posted, they call it yes the anti Asian hate crime bill. Okay. Congress passes anti Asian hate crime, and they bill. were wrong because they didn't read the damn bill. Okay. Because in in the narrative they explain why the bill was being done. Mm-hmm. Now look up. Look up Hate Crimes Act and black churches. What you will discover, Congress passed a bill that specifically targeted the attacks on the burning of black churches. In the narrative, it explains why they're passing the bill because of the burning of black churches. Does Did that bill apply only to the burning of black churches? No, it applied to all religious institutions. So whether you're talking about a mosque, whether you're talking about uh, uh, synagogues, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. See, and again, this this is where so media dri- should frame these things better. Me- media absolutely should, but also learn how to read, and that's part of the deal. And so they run for the bumper sticker version, and then look, just like Newsweek, they wrote that article. Oh, Biden cut HBCU funding by thirty five billion, an absolute lie. 
Negroes reposted that, and here's what pisses me off. All these black folks reposted the Newsweek article, yet when we were doing their actual story on Roller Martin Unfiltered, Negroes weren't reposting that. So again, going back, we see something in white media and go, oh, there it is, got to be true, versus going, hold up. See, that's what I do. I saw the story and I went, cut $35 billion. Can you explain to me? I'm reading this story. Y'all cut 35 billion. No, you didn't cut 30. Okay, send me the data mm-hmm. so I can understand that. So what did I do? I called Congressman Bobby Scott. Why Congressman Bobby Scott of Virginia? Because he sits on the subcommittee when it comes to the funding. I called Congressman Jim Clyburn. I hit all these black, these black, these so-called black media folk who ran with that damn story, who didn't bother to actually call a black member of Congress to verify the story. They saw it in white media. It was wrong. That happens all the time. And so then what happens? Black folks were circulating that thing. Yeah. See, see, Biden folks, they screwing us. They cut 35 billion. And I'm like, it wasn't even true. You got all riled up because something that white media published that was fundamentally flawed. Uh, NBC- Not just white media. Democratic Party fuels off that, too, because they'll put out things that we passed the LGBTQ hate crime bill. Or we passed the anti-Asian hate crime bill. So these are our elected officials who people trust. And, what I'm and tra- to your point, everybody may not read deeper than that tweet. And, and, and what I'm saying is, which is also why I'm saying to black people, who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to watch? Who are you going to read? That's why I challenge uh, black media to actually do the work and pick the phone up and don't just rewrite something you saw in the New York Post or the Washington Post or the New York Times. It happens way too often. That's when I'm, look, folks at, at Shade Room and the Grio mm-hmm. and the Root and Black Enterprise, they've all gotten mad at me because I've called them out uh, on, some, on, on some BS. I'm sorry. I operate by facts. Well, let me ask this question uh, to that point. If they do pass these bills, which is true, uh, why do they don't ever say this is a bill for black people then? Even what do you mean? I mean, why they don't ever say it? Like they say, they'll, they're quick to say this is an LGBTQ crime. Go back, bill. And go, go back and look at the coverage when they passed when they passed uh, the bill that with black churches. The bill, it, that it was called? the case. How long it, ago was that? It, it, it was it was uh, it was it was in uh, late '80s, early '90s. See, so again, when people say we've never had one, not true. <laughs> See again, folk love to throw it out, and 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 that. I don't think they're quick to stand by blackness the way they are everything else. Well, but here's the deal, though. It's happened. If you go look at the cover of the of Civil, Rights, Civil Rights Act and Voter Rights Act, that's all you saw. But this, that was but, a different time, though. Okay, I'm sorry. So I mean, so, it was, that was a different time. No, 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 no. If somebody says, we've never had, what does that mean? True. It's never No, happened. what does it mean? It's never it's happened. Never happened. Mm-hmm. So when you actually provide the fact, well, it did happen, the response can't be, well, that was a long time ago. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to see both sides because you can see. There are how, no both sides. No, there are because you can see how people will be offended. For Show example, me a both side of we. It's never happened. True, but for example, somebody like uh, the vice president, they ask her a simple question: Does racism exist in America? She can't answer that. But if you ask her about any other uh, community that's experiencing hate, quick to jump on that. Here's my question. Okay, now go deeper than us on a hot dog. Why? Because she's afraid to turn off white voters. What did I say about? The last election. Mm. Okay. What was the total voter turnout? Okay. Over 70%. It was 71 to 73%. So it's politics. It's all politics. Yeah. It's identity politics. And some people will say that's bullshit. And and the average person will say that's bullshit. Yeah. The average black person will be like, that's some bullshit. Yeah. And I would also say what's bullshit to the average black person when you have your three largest locations in Louisiana and the highest of 36% black turnout. Here's the whole deal, black people. 
If you're maximizing your voter turnout, if you're not voting at 45 or 50% of your capacity, if you're voting at 75, 80, 85%, then guess what? Your vote now actually has more power. Now the number actually goes down. And so it all goes together. I, I understand folks who say, I want to hear black. I want to hear you specifically talk about that. I want to hear something that's specific to black people. But again, like perfect example, Treasury Department, uh, she, uh, Friedman celebration, she's, she, Vice President Harris is laying out talking about $15 billion is being spent on community development uh, banks, things along those lines. Who, what, 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 what are community development banks largely in black neighborhoods? Now, people say, but I want to hear specifics. You do your specifics. It's even in there as well. Oh, but I only want to hear black. You can't only hear black. Because you can't. So you're not mad at that because you, you feel so like it, they're playing the game. No, no, no. Here's the whole deal. When you say LGBT, does that only mean white people who gay? Who's that mean? But that's, but that's like affirmative action. No, 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 no. You, no, 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 no majority of that stuff benefits white people more than black people. Everything in America. Ma- <laughs> My God. Didn't I just say? So, so we, I get you. Some, no, no, no. We when started, I hear stuff like this, I'm like, well, what's the point then? But we started it off. Everything, a, a majority benefits white people. Why? Because they're in the majority. Show me anything that's not going to largely benefit white people when numerically they have the numbers. And so, why are they afraid? 2043. Because they're losing the numbers. <laughs> I still don't see how we win, though. We win when we, first we win voting-wise. When we vote, we you see the phrase, punch above your weight. We can't vote the way they vote. We have to be Explain voting. That. Easy. Andrew Gillum is governor of Florida. If Broward County goes from 57 total turnout to 65. Mm-hmm. Miami-Dade goes from 54 to 65. How are the red counties voting? 70-75%. You can't win in the 50s. Black people have to maximize numbers. This is simple. 500,000 eligible black people. 300,000 of the 500,000 are registered. 150,000 of the 300,000 who are registered and 150,000 of the 500,000 who are eligible actually vote. That means 150,000 black people voted, 350,000 black people didn't vote. Your candidate loses by 10,000 votes. But don't we have to equate voter suppression into that too? You can equate that, but hell, you had poll taxes. Look, we've always had to jump over hurdles. Mm-hmm. The point I'm making is... We, we have to say, y'all throw, throw up any hurdle, which also been our story, we're going to jump over that damn hurdle. We've done that. But I'm showing you real numbers. Chair Beasley's running for North Carolina United States Senate right now. Okay? She should be the chief justice of the Supreme Court in North Carolina. She lost about 400 votes. 400 votes. I'm, what I'm laying out is how do you maximize your power? You can't holler... We want this, 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 if you're not maximizing your power. Mm-hmm. How do you have 67% of black people living in Ferguson, Missouri, and it wasn't until Michael Brown's death that they were able to get a black mayor? 67%? How? That's not maximizing your numbers. So what I'm saying, it changes when we then recognize and walk in our 
power. I think sometimes that's an insult to the people who actually do go out there and vote. Because every election, it seems, we always go out there and vote in record numbers. No, 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 no. Hold up, see? At least in presidential elections. No, 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 no. But the... Fine record numbers. I, I don't fucking know, oh, no, yes, but you, you know, no, 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 but yes, you, know, you do. But you know yes, that's you what do. they say every a election. Rec- a record number means more voted this time than last time. But that's I, all you can ask for, no, right? No, no. I don't look at did more vote. I look at what's the percentage of eligibility. If if four of us sitting right here, <laughs> none of us voted last year. Envy votes next year. Oh, my goodness. Record numbers. That was record numbers. <laughs> Three of us didn't vote. What happens if it's none of us voted last year, all four of us voted this year? It's a higher record, and it's a higher voter participation. I'm saying our vote can actually change outcomes. You had well, what black... do we get credit for, Roland? No, no, no. We get we get credit because we have we have withstood everything they have thrown at us, and we're still standing. How do you get people to vote? That's my question. Bert, because, absolutely. Because I do feel like we talk about it all the time. Get out there and vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. This is where you get the information, and it's still not enough people. Because that's approaching it without any information. Mm-hmm. First. Mm-hmm. We have to walk folk through. We, we got to go back to freedom schools, which took place uh, in the period after after the Civil War, which took place during Jim Crow, because it's a lot of folk really have no clue. I use my show as like Schoolhouse Rock 2.0, walking people through, talking about the, the anti-Asian bill. I literally showed the bill. Y'all, this is the bill. That ain't the name. Here's the whole deal. When they were like, oh. The we, platinum plan. Remember when you did it? That, like, first, but same thing. Yeah. All these fools. Uh, he That's where I got my information uh, from. Trump going Give us $500 billion in contracts. You know the entire federal government only spends $560 billion. So how he going to give us $500 billion of the $560 billion? See, again, it's folk falling for the hype. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be able to have uh, our outlets that are walking us through. But it's walking people through the issues. When people come to me and say, I had a sister, it's 2016. She's like, I don't like Hillary. I can't stand Trump. So I'm just going to focus on my state. I said, where are you from? She said, North Carolina. I said, name me your top three issues. She named the top three issues, and all three of her issues were tied directly back to who was hitting the White House. Mm. She was like, oh my. now mind you, she was an activist. This was an informed, so-called informed voter. So I had to walk her through that. We have to spend more time walking people through and ask them, what do you care about? When people stop me on the street, on the plane, they say, man, you know, I want to do something or, or this ain't working. I say, okay, what's your top issue? Then they go, what do you mean? I said, what's the top thing you care about? Mm-hmm. And then when they do, I then begin to walk them through. Okay, well, this is happening, this is happening. That's how we have to do it. We literally don't have enough voter education. Mm-hmm. Once, If I inform you, now you're like, well, damn, now where what's going on? Now I can move to getting you registered. And then when I get you registered, I still got to get you to the polls. Yeah. I got a transportation plan. Okay? So it's a step. Now, this, this, this is the, this probably the most important piece. Once the election is over, now what do we do? Mm-hmm. A lot of us go, all right, we good. No, no, nope. no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's the end of one process, the beginning of another. See, you can't have all these people holler, tangibles, tangibles. How many of y'all showing up when election is over? So who's going to the school board meeting, county commissioners meeting, mm-hmm. state legislature, 
Congress? How are you advocating? What groups are you joining? So you say you want tangibles, and mm-hmm. if I don't get tangibles, I'm not going to vote, okay? You don't actually get tangibles before the election. You get promises. You then have to then force them to adhere to the promise they made during the campaign. Well, how do you do that? You have to show up. You've got to be willing to, like black voters, matter, locking yourselves to the White House gate uh, to get their attention if they are not listening. And then you can't say, well, well, I don't know, you know, we, we shouldn't protest Biden-Harris. No, if you ain't doing right, then if you're not advocating for me, then I've got to use whatever I have to let you know I'm not playing. Uh, the uh, LGBT people, uh, 2010, Obama wasn't moving on uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. They were like, all right, close them checkbooks. That's right. They lost at midterms. What happened in December? They passed that damn bill. See, again, leverage. Our leverage is not necessarily resources, but it is when it comes to voting. But we have to be willing. And then people say, well, see, Roland, that's what I'm saying. You saying don't vote. No, fool. I'm saying don't vote for the person who's not now following in your interest. Run somebody against them in the primary and then replace them. That's what I'm saying. And get, and then if your person loses in a the primary, then you got to do like the Republicans do. They sit here and say, I'm going to still vote for this person because of my power. But it's like, I'm going to put that heat on your ass. And you're going to feel it every single day. Which is why I, for years I've challenged my fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha, and all D9, and Prince Hall Masons, and Eastern Star, and the Lynx. How do we have all of this black organizational power and we're not sitting here walking in? If 200 black women in pink and green just all of a sudden show up at a school board meeting, this is going to happen. They're going to be like... Uh, who who in the hell are these 200 black women? Mm-hmm. And then the next month they see black and gold, then purple and gold, then red and white, and all of a sudden they keep seeing it. Uh, now it's going to be, well, what do we need to do so they can stop showing up? That's leveraging your power. We have untapped power when it comes to voting, and guess what? When you show up there when it comes to, uh, to, I'm not to, uh, to the school board meeting, I ain't talking about just curriculum. I'm talking about contracts. I'm talking about bond election. I'm talking about now black businesses. Now it becomes economic. But we got to leverage the power. But we have to educate people on this is the Mm -hmm. issue. This is the truth. This is the whole deal. And when they have the information, now it's kind of like, oh, I was told this. Well, stop listening to the fool who told you a lie. I got a couple more questions because I know you got to go. But uh, I agree with everything you just said. But don't you think the other part of that is sometimes these candidates have to stop volunteering lies? Meaning they talk about things that they know they cannot get done. They don't tell the whole story. That's politics. Yeah, but, no, 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 but, but can't you see how that discourages no, voters? But, 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 but remember, potential voters? No, no, but remember, politics is about making promises. But what did President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tell A. Philip Randolph when Randolph was pressing him? Mm-hmm. He said, Philip, everything you said is correct. Now go make me do it. Make me do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did he do? Okay. When he threatened that march on Washington, he signed an executive order. Our history, sh- when, 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 uh, when, when he, when he said, look, he said, Martin, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. The original civil rights bill had all three of those bills in the one bill. He said, well, we're going to have to, he said, well, I don't have the power. We're going to have to go out and give you some power. It's using that. Too many of us are just laying back. I don't know. Right now, Tennessee has stated. They have grossly underfunded Tennessee State to the tune of $500 million. I've asked the question. I had Reverend Jeff Carr on my show. I said, who is mobilizing in Tennessee? 
and what national civil rights leaders are mobilizing to say we're going to go into Tennessee on this day and we're going to mobilize to move them to get that $500 million Tennessee state. Okay? It was a 13-year lawsuit to get the $577 million settlement for Maryland. Alvin Chambliss did the settlement down in Mississippi. You've had other... Uh, see, again, we talk about, man, fund our HBCUs. Okay, how are you going to make them do it? And so that's what we also have to do. We've got to move our people to action, and unfortunately too many are not. But that's why I challenge our organizations. I just did it at the CBCF. I called out all the frats and the sororities and challenged them, and I said, stop being so focused on your internal business and be focused on the business of black America. Dr. King said this here in Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community. If you don't have that book, you should get that book. It's one of the top three books. I got more than 1,000 in my home. It is top three. You would think he wrote that book last year. He said there are four institutions that are primed to liberate black America. The Negro Church, the Negro Press, Negro Fraternities and Sororities, and Negro Professional and Business Organizations. And he said all of them have never fully committed themselves to the liberation of black people. Mm. What he's talking about is taking organized power and leveraging it. So you talk about the New York Times bestseller list? Imagine if all of the D9, how many copies does it take to get a New York Times bestseller list? What, mm. 25,000? Nah, not that much. Probably 15, like five, it depends on the week. 5,000, gotcha. 6,000, 10,000. Yeah. Okay, 5, 10,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So imagine if all of the Divine Nine, Prince Hall Masons, Eastern Star, and the Lynx said, Go buy Whitefield. This, go buy Whitefield. Or mm-hmm. next week, go buy Angela's book. Mm-hmm. Next week, buy your book, buy Emmy's book, buy Jamil Hill's book. Now all of a sudden, you don't even need to be going around doing tons of book tours. We could literally place multiple books. That's organizing your power. That's why when people came to me, they were like, man, I don't know. You, you ain't going to really, ain't going to do well launching Roller Martin Unfiltered. I said, don't worry about it. So here we are four years later. Mm-hmm. I launched last year Black Star Network, OTT. I'm launching a 24-hour streaming channel next month. That, I, I, I took my social media following, organized it, built one show, built a network, now have six other shows, now I have three shows in development, and now I'm going 24-hour streaming channel. What's that? That's organized. That's organized and mobilized. You know what's interesting about that? Like you built that network so much that when I see you on MSNBC or I see you on another program, I'll be like, "Why rolling wasting this time on that?" Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> and I know, I know it. it well, no, I'm gonna give you something. It's funny. So first time in the MSNBC uh, during COVID from my, cause I have a, a studio in my home, mm-hmm. so I got green screen and everything. So I got my my same same. You know, I do my show. So director come and say, hey, um, is there any way we can um, we can uh, make that background smaller? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's it. First of all, y'all ain't paying me. So if you want me talking on Saturday morning early when I can be playing golf or sleep, y'all going to see that logo. That's, right. My deal, that's Brandon. But it's good because it's with Tiffany. So, I mean, you know. Well, no, no. That, no, that, one, yeah. that, that, that was uh, that was Ali Velshi. Oh, so I've I, I, I done Ali Velshi. I don't know. MSNBC seems to only call me on the weekends. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Well, I know I've been shadow banned on the, on the weekday. Uh, and I told him that, mm-hmm. too. And so I ain't got a problem. And I know who did it, too. Uh, you and know so, who did it? I know exactly who did it. Damn. I know exactly who did it. I've called his name out. You know, what the hell? You know exactly. Jonathan Wall know what he did to me. I was, on, I was supposed to be on Ari Melber's show, and I was 10 minutes out. I'm at the top of the show. I'm, I'm talking about I'm in Austin. I'm at the top of the show. Discuss Doug Jones. I get a call. Uh, uh, my, my hit was canceled. Wow. I, I sent an email, and I said, all right, what exactly did I piss off? 
They were like, oh, no, no, that's not what happened. I'm like, that is what happened. Then I found out it was him because he was pissed that me and Jake Tapper went at it the day before uh, on uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, he is CNN. You used to work at CNN. Why are you tripping to MSNBC? Because uh, during 2015, a year after the election, oh, all the shows were calling me. Katie Turb was blowing me up. Hallie Jackson, they were like, oh, my God. Katie Turb, they wanted me on every Thursday. Mm-hmm. Stephanie Rule, all the weekday shows were calling me. Then all of a sudden, whoosh, wow, everything shut down. You know, so yeah, I said it, and he knew exactly what he did, and I've told other executives there what the whole deal was. Rashida, so the, you got to fix that. So the only time I told Rashida, so the only time I look, I ain't got a problem. Look, the only time I get called now is is Tiffany's show, Ali's show, or Alex Witt. No daytime shows, none. No, no daytime shows, no primetime shows, mm-hmm. none. Even when I've had exclusives. So it is what it is. And we know Fox News is not going to call because, you know, they can't handle this much blackness. My, this is my final question because we, <laughs> we, we talk about white fear a lot. And we know fear is at the root of every injustice, as Reverend Barber says. But don't you think, and, and you've been touching on it a little bit, but don't you think black people have a fear of demanding things from Democrats? Oh, I think that um, I here's why some, some black people. But remember... When you make a demand, it also requires accountability. Mm. See, I can demand something of Angela and you and Envy one time, but I got to follow up. Now, after I say, I need you to do this, well, then what if you don't? Now what I do? A lot of people (laughs) want to yell, holler, scream, but they they don't want to follow up. When 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 the Republicans were blocking Loretta Lynch, black women were Capitol Hill every week. I was like, "Yo, where the brothers? Where the brothers? I hit all these black males. Where y'all at? How this black woman is getting screwed? And the sisters are coming every week. Me, Jamal Bryant, and Jeff Johnson, like, what the hell? We organized two hundred black men. We like literally like, yo, meet us in front of the fountain, across from the Capitol, and we gonna go to Capitol Hill. 200 brothers showed up and rolled with us. That's accountability. We didn't just say, man, it's a damn shame. Brother, no, we said we're going to do it. That's the deal. Because, see, now that requires organization, mm-hmm. mobilization, planning. It requires work. And then people go, well, I shouldn't have to do all that. I voted. Your opposition don't just vote. Mm-hmm. They mobilize. Mm-hmm. They organize. They raise money. They That's storm they the Capitol. And so we, they, they did. They do for real. And so, again, if we want to see change in our cities, in our states, uh, in this country, it is going to require people to be accountable and do something. My mom and daddy were part of a civic club in Clinton Park in Houston, Texas. So people have to understand I think this way because I saw two people who never went to college get with a few neighbors and they say, we want to do this and this and this. We want some new streets and some new sidewalks and some new some lights and take these crack houses down and take these abandoned lots down. They organize. People like, man, this that ain't going to work. Y'all going to fail. That's also biblical. Go read Nehemiah chapter 2, 3, and 4. He saw the, re- the wall of Jerusalem had crumbled. He said, we need to rebuild the wall. But go read the scripture. It says, the people said, let us rebuild. Mm. Our problem is we have black generals. We ain't got enough black troops. Mm. We've got people like Tamika and Until Freedom and Linda. We've got folk over here with different Black Lives Matter chapters. You've got other organized people out there who are doing the work. They need folk to stand with them and show up. 
as opposed to, well, they got it. No, this is how you rebuild. This is how you actually fight. But that's the accountability part. A lot of folk managers want to sit back and want somebody else to do all the damn work. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. And I'm saying it can't happen. When I'm out here fighting for black-owned media, I'm saying everybody can eat. I'm not. I, Disney can't get all $322 billion. Now, they can't. I can't get all the black-owned money. So if somebody asked me, they said, Roland, if you could get $500 million, or you and nine others could get $50 million each, which one would you take? I said, oh, 10 of us getting 50. They're like, what? I said, here's why. Because, see, now if we all go out, I ain't got to pay. Because <laughs> we all get to eat. And if 10 of us got $50 million, that means 10 families, Word. 10 multiple generations now have it versus one person mm -hmm. having the wealth. That's the collective that King talked about on April 3rd, 1968. He said black people individually are poor, but collectively we are one of the richest nations in the world. If black people practice collective work, he said, we can change. But it's the work part. That's why mm -hmm. they're scared, because it's the accountability. From a white fear. Pick it up. It's out right now, Roland Martin. Roland Martin, we appreciate you. That's called bringing us. the funk. That's what he calls hey, it. Hey, Doc, this is, what I, this is what I do. And look, and for the folks who I hit, don't get mad, because you messed up. There you have it. The Breakfast Club, Roland Martin. <laughs> Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know sister. we were going to go there on people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.